Well, welcome to Christmas Unwrapped as we start off this series. If you love Christmas, make some noise if you love Christmas. Make even more noise if you love the meaning behind Christmas and what it's all about. The hope that we have that is in Jesus Christ. Man, so glad you've joined us today as we kick off this series entitled Christmas Unwrapped. And when we look at Christmas, what it is at the heart of Christmas, that word, and we said this earlier, that Christmas is not just that Christ the Anointed One has come, but that He has been sent. He's not just come. He didn't just show up. But he was sent. That word mass, of course, Christmas, those two words put together, a Latin word, Christ, the anointed one, not has come, but has been sent. That he came. Some would celebrate this time of year, and it's appropriate. We celebrate in some places Advent, and that waiting for the Christ to come, and and identifying the coming of the Savior. But how many know we recognize that Christ has come, and he's not just one who has come, he has been sent. Let me tell you why that's significant. Because when someone comes, They show up. That's great. They bring stuff with them. But Christ didn't just come. He was sent by God on a mission to bring peace between man and God and to bring us peace. He had a mission to fulfill. He was sent with a a mission and a task. And he came to accomplish that which his father sent him to do. And the whole purpose of Christmas is that we receive what Christ has come to bring us. He has literally come to bring peace on earth. Have you heard that? That we celebrate that Christ has come to bring peace on earth. But here's something important, that we do not celebrate or we're not looking for peace on earth, that Christ did not come to bring peace to a planet. He came to bring peace to a people. Peace on earth, and sometimes we can pray for and, and desire to have peace on earth, and some would say, what are you praying for? I'm praying for world peace. Well, you can keep praying and praying and praying. But God didn't come to bring peace to this earth, which is the absence of wars. Because how many know that as long as we live in the flesh and we live here, we're always going to have wars. There's always going to be fighting because we deal with ourselves. He didn't come to bring peace to a planet among, uh, among countries. He came to bring peace to this earth, to this vessel. We are made of dirt, this earth. And when he says peace on earth, it's not peace to a planet. It's peace to a people. It's not peace among nations. It's peace between the most important peacemaker that we need, that we might have peace with God, that there might be restored peace between man and God. Jesus came to bring us peace. And if you're thankful for the peace of God that we have today, how many would just say thank God for his peace that he gives us in Jesus? name. Yeah, go ahead and thank God for that peace. That's all right. So like, I don't know if we're supposed to do this. You see, all of us are looking for peace. We want peace, but peace cannot be elected. Peace cannot be paid for. Peace cannot be worked for. The only thing we can do is to receive the peace that comes from God. The Bible says in John, Jesus said these words. He said, I give you a gift. How many like gifts? Oh, come on, you modest people. Come on. I, yeah, you tell me you don't like gifts. I mean, as if, I know it's better to give than to receive. But listen, it still says it's okay to receive. I mean, it's better to give than to receive. Doesn't mean it's not good to receive. How many like to receive gifts? Here's what Jesus said. He said, I give you a gift. And here, here's what he tells us. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. And here's the gift. Peace of mind and heart. And he says, this peace, 
I give is a gift that the world cannot give. Therefore, if the world can't give it, how many know the world can't take it away? He gives us a peace, and he says, so don't be troubled or afraid. This Christmas, what, we wanna, what, what, what our hope and prayer is, is that we would unwrap the gift that God has given us. How many would say, I want to unwrap the gift of peace in my life? Maybe peace in, in, in circumstance, situation, but to know the peace that comes from God. And that's what our hope is over these next weeks as we prepare all the way into Christmas. Christmas here at Faith Assembly is we want to be unwrapping this gift that God has given us. And so our goal is this, to unwrap ourselves from the stuff that we get, that we get wrapped up in. That we would unwrap ourselves from the stuff that we get wrapped up in that really keeps us from experiencing the peace that God wants to bring us. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 2, I want to take a look at this scripture and uh, we're going to be looking at a, uh, an unlikely Christmas character, not someone that we speak about regularly at Christmas time. Uh, I've spoken about the shepherds. I've spoken about the wise men, about Mary and Joseph, and, and we'll speak about those. But this morning, I, I want to kick it off this new series, Christmas Unwrapped, and I want to look at Herod. How many know we don't usually put Herod in the Christmas story? He's there. And I, I know we're going to read about what he did, and I said to the team as we were planning our planning team, I said, I feel like you know, this is something I know the Lord wants us to hit and address and look from Herod's perspective, but let's do it right away because that's not a fun one to talk about the closer we get to Christmas. We're going to talk about a guy who is so wrapped up in himself that he literally took the life of other people. I want you to, to this morning, if we can, stand and let's read Matthew chapter 2 together. And we're going to be reading the first uh, 16 verses here. But looking through, if you have your, your, your Bible, you can read along. Or maybe on version, you can follow along in the Bible app. But it'll also be on the screen. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private or a secret meeting. With the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Jump down to verse 12. When it was time to leave the wise men, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Jump down again to verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Merry Christmas. I mean, think of this story that is in the midst of the Christmas that we celebrate. I want to look at Herod's life today, and 
and look and, and identify some of that. But let's ask God to give us insight today and allow God to, to evaluate our hearts this morning. Amen. Father, I pray today that you would search us, know us, see God in us, the things that maybe need to be addressed and changed, and by your Spirit, do that work in us, we pray. God, that you might be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name, and if you agree with that prayer, would you just say amen? Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, you may have missed somebody's hand in that two-minute greeting. Find somebody, shake their hand, and tell them this this morning, don't be a killjoy. Don't be a killjoy. Let's see, uh, the title this morning, uh, as we kick off this Christmas Unwrapped, looking at the stuff that we get wrapped up in, and uh, the title today just is simply this, Uninviting the Christmas Killjoy. Uninviting the Christmas Killjoy. My daughter, Jalen, when she was uh, uh, quite a bit younger, uh, we were driving in the car one day at Christmas season. Jalen is the type that she wants Christmas all year round. Uh, she loves it all year round, but it was Christmas season as we were driving in the car, and she was young, and she said to me, she said, Daddy, you know what I love about Christmas? And I was waiting to hear, you know, I thought maybe, you know, what, what would it be the gifts, or, you know, she's a pastor's kid, so she might even say, Jesus was born, you know, all the stuff that was, that might be the answer, but this was her response. She said, Daddy, you know why I love, what I love about Christmas? I said, what is it, baby? She said, at Christmas, I love that everybody becomes nice. And then a pause, and I'm not sure if it was connected, but then she follows it up with, and and I'm not sure the connection, but she says, I wish it was Christmas all year long. I didn't know if in her mind she said, you know, because she loves the season or Christmas, but she identified and said, Daddy, everybody becomes nice at Christmas. I wish it was Christmas all year long. I don't know what it is. Maybe you were taught and, and we, we become conditioned because when the elf gets on the shelf, you better make sure you're ready and good because Christmas is getting closer. Or maybe it's because you know if, if whether you're sleeping or you're awake, he knows if you've been get bad or good, so you better be good for goodness sake. I mean, Christmas has a way of bringing those things around us, causing the best to come forth. But it didn't have that effect on Herod. I mean, Herod didn't get affected by the Christmas joy and, and, and the whole spirit of Christmas. In fact, he was in the, the scene and in the area when literally Christmas happened. When Christ came, when the, when the appointed one, the anointed one was sent by God. And he didn't have the Christmas spirit of receiving. In fact, he was so wrapped up in himself that he became Probably the definition to the extreme of what a killjoy is. I mean, a killjoy, someone who spoils the joy and pleasure for other people. You, you know, in the moment that everything's all exciting, then all of a sudden there's somebody that just brings it all back to reality. You say, well, I mean, but literally for Herod, he literally took the life of young, innocent boys, two-year-olds. So threatened and, and so operating in himself and, and literally spoiling for those that were around. I mean, imagine celebrating Christmas. Do you know there would have been people among that first Christmas who in the years to follow would celebrate that Christ has come? They would have heard the news, people in Bethlehem in that area. Imagine this. We sometimes don't get this this context or put this, this perspective in place. But this story we just read about Herod, which is proven 
in history. Herod would have served under Mark Anthony, who was a well-known Roman emperor. I love the fact that when you read the Bible, it all lines up with the history that really happened. Because the Bible is a history book, but much more than a history book. It lines up with all the things you can read, whether you read it in your Bible or read it in a, in a, in a history book. That Herod the Great served, and he was appointed by Antipas, and then later uh, that was in a place of, of serving under Mark Anthony. And as he's in this area serving, Christ is born. And among them would have been people who were celebrating the arrival of the Savior. And within two years of Jesus being born, some of those same people celebrating would have been mourning the loss of their two-year-old boys. Think about Christmas from that perspective. Think about those who celebrate the coming of Christ, but yet they're the ones who would sit in an auditorium like this Maybe to celebrate Christmas and say, I love to celebrate Christmas, but in the midst of celebrating Christmas, it was from that effect of Christmas that caused the threat of Herod to kill my son. I mean, isn't it true that there would have been people who would have celebrated the arrival of a Savior, but also would have been affected by the ill ill effects of what someone, a king, was trying to do to stop the Savior from even coming. I want to say to someone today, your circumstance and situations might not be ideal. There's difficulty and things that surround you, but imagine those who celebrate in those first two Christmases that some of them were in the place of wanting to celebrate the one who has come, but also were mourning the effects of what it cost them in the process. The ones who would have said that we're celebrating Christmas Or maybe it's hard for me to celebrate Christmas because it's hard for me to celebrate Christ being sent because him coming had an effect on my two-year-old son. How many are following what I'm saying? That sometimes we tend to look at peace and tend to look at life that when everything is in its rightful place, when everything's just the way I like it, then that's when I'll have peace, when everything will be just the right way. But when you really look at Christmas and how it began, Christmas was a blessing to the world, but it was also an initial impact that brought pain to people that were around. And those who would have said, I'm mourning the loss of my two-year-old son because he was killed by Herod, But I know that even though I'm mourning the loss, there's a God who sent his son. And they knew that there's a hope and a promised one. Do you realize how blessed we are to sit on this side of grace and to see what God has done? I mean, we get to sit from this perspective. I know we say this today. Imagine if we were a part of the first two Christmases that ever occurred. You know Christmas, Christ the anointed one being sent in Bethlehem. It's very well that if we lived in that city, some of you, some of us, would have our two-year-old sons whose lives were cut short because of the threat that the Messiah brought to the king. Here's what I want to say to you. Peace is not something that we get because of things around us. Because God did not come to bring peace to a planet because we live in a fallen world. Nothing will ever be just right. Come back next week and we're going to talk about the problem with a perfect Christmas. There's no such thing. That's next week. But this week, looking at some of the self that might cause us to miss that when we need peace, 
Peace doesn't occur because something happens outside of us. Peace occurs because we receive the work of God inside of us. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. Peace is not produced, it's received. Peace is not produced, it's received. You see, because we tend to put equations and things in place, let me ask you, how much more of a raise do you need to have so you can have peace? Because you may have said, if I only had this much more money, if I only had this, how much respect is it going to take for you to have peace? Because you might say, you know, if, if only I felt respected. If only I got, and oftentimes, let's be real, what we put to that is, is only I got what I deserve. Oh, be careful. If only I got what I deserve. If only I got the respect I deserve. If only I got the, the, the love I deserve. If only I got the raise I deserve. If only I got whatever it is that you can put those equations together. And here's the reality, that when we connect peace with something outside of us, we have to ask ourselves, when will that ever be enough? Because we can say, if only I had more money. And there are some of us here today, we said that and we got more money. And we're now still saying, I just need a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And learning this piece, Paul said, I've learned to be content and to unwrap that piece. Here's what affects us sometimes, oftentimes. The thing that affects us the most from experiencing the peace that God has for us is us. It's the condition of our heart. It's where we are. It's the attitude. It's the situation of our heart that needs to be affected. Because each and every one of us have a problem that every one of us are affected by this. We can't get away from ourselves. Everywhere we are, there we are. Everywhere you go, that's where you are. You can't get away from it. We all have a little bit of self inside of us. How many know that this morning? There's a bit of self inside of us. And we're always in this place of having to deal with ourself. And how many would admit that sometimes self gets in the way and keeps us from experiencing or unwrapping the full peace that God wants for our lives? I know some of us are like, it's easier if we talk about the stuff outside. And let's address that stuff. Let's address the stuff that's out there that's affecting our peace. Let's address the stuff of if only we had this type of equality or if only we had this type of, of care or this type of thing. And we put all the things and we want to say what needs to be out there. But in reality, whatever happens out there will never affect us fully until we allow our lives to be affected on the inside. Peace is not produced. It's received that we can only receive it by God to receive what he has for us. Here's Herod, and he's appointed king. As we said, Mark Anthony, one of the, the ones that would have appointed him. And talk about a man who was a little wrapped up in himself. I know you're here today, and I don't think there's anyone here such a literal killjoy or such a literal person wrapped up in themselves to the point like Herod. I'm not saying that today, and I know we could look and say, you know, well, man, we're not that far off, or, or we're, we're, we're not that close. Herod is way out there. We don't have that kind of selfish issues like Herod. But I think it's always wise that if we evaluate some of the stuff that was in Herod, to maybe look and say, God, help us uninvite the killjoy before it shows up at our parties. Help us to uninvite the things that get in the way and keep us from being able to experience the peace that comes from God. How many would be able to acknowledge that sometimes the reason we've not been able to receive peace is because our self has gotten in the way? And you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. I've gotten in the way. 
looking at some of the, the, the stuff that we need to unwrap from. And, and I could just say to you today, hey, we got to get unwrapped from ourselves so that we can experience Christmas. I want to look at some, some indicators that we look at from Herod's life. And I know that Herod is, is a, is a, might seem to be a stretch, that we're not in that category. But what are some things that we can look at that are indicators of, of the things that would stand in the way and keep us from being able to experience the peace that God would have from, from, for us? This Christmas, our, our hope is to uninvite the, the killjoy. Better yet, let's not be that. Let's not spoil the joy of what it is to experience the peace that God wants to give us. Because if we allow peace to receive, be received from God, it will affect other people being able to receive the peace that comes from God. But if we stand in the way, not only will it hinder what we receive from God, but it hinders what we're able to pass on and what we're able to give others that God would have for them. I want to give you four things this morning, just indicators. Here's some indicators that there might be some self or potential killjoy inside of us. Some things that spoil the joy, the pleasure. Here's number one. If you resent what others rejoice. If you resent what others rejoice over. Whatever makes other people rejoice, if you resent over, resent those things. Here it is. One of the examples could be someone just got a pay raise. And before you can be excited for them that they got a pay raise, you're asking yourself, why didn't I get one? Instead of rejoicing over what someone else has in a practical sense, sometimes that quick response that instead of giving the, hey, congratulations or good for you, it becomes the, 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 the whole process of trying to evaluate why they get it and not me. What's going on in their life that's not going on in my life? Why did they get what I wanted? Why is it happening for them and not happening for me? That sometimes not being quick or able to rejoice with others. The Bible says in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice. Have you ever had a moment when someone shared good news and instead of being happy for what you knew you should be happy with, it bothered you? Don't raise your hand. That's just an indicator that there's sometimes self that's inside of us. Here's Herod. The wise men come and pay him a visit, and rightly so. I mean, if you're looking for the king, you go to the palace. Herod's not expecting a king because he is the king. And everyone else is celebrating the arrival of a king. The wise men are coming from distant lands. Shepherds are going to be coming in from their flocks. There are people that are around that are going to be celebrating the arrival of the newborn king. Here's the thing. The only person who doesn't celebrate the arrival of of a king is a king. The only person who doesn't celebrate the arrival of a king is a king. The reason Herod couldn't get excited, or all of Jerusalem, it says, is because Jerusalem was the seat of power. Everyone had their, their fill because they pleased the king. And they all was in this conspiracy, this thing together. And so Jerusalem got everything they wanted because they were the king. The king took, took, took care of them. And if there's the threat of another king, how many know they might lose what they're getting? And all of a sudden, everyone's excited about the coming of a king. Wise men. Shepherds, people, everyone's excited except the king. Tells me this then, that whenever I should be excited for someone and I'm not, it might be that I position myself in a place that I don't belong. It might be that I consider myself more than what I ought. Because oftentimes when I put these two things together, 
that I'm waiting for peace and peace will come when I get what I deserve. Here's the truth of that. I tend to think I deserve more than what I really do deserve. I tend to think a little more about myself than I ought to. This isn't condemnation, it's just reality. The word that gets your most, the word that, that, is, that you hear that gets your attention the most is your name. Because the moment you hear your name, it's the moment it grabs your attention. You would say, oh, of course. But here's why it grabs our attention. Because it's the moment we recognize someone's talking about us, it becomes about us. And how many have ever been in a conversation and someone comes along and says, hey, I heard my name. How many know what I'm talking about? Hey, I heard my name. What are you talking about? I heard you say my name. I heard my name mentioned. I heard my name. You're the, the, most, the most valued word that you'll ever hear is your name. And that's not wrong. It's how we're identified. It's how we're called. But here's reality. It only points to the fact that we are prone to think about ourselves. You're not horrible for that. That's nature. That's how we've been. That, that's who we are. But we have to recognize that in a place that we put ourselves where we ought to be. That peace is not received because of things around us. But we, we allow peace to come on the inside. One indicator might be that we're not able to rejoice with people who rejoice. Because we say, well, I don't know why they think they're better than I am. I should be getting what they got. Number one that's an indicator is when we if we don't rejoice with those who rejoice. Number two, here's another indicator that there might be self if you are easily threatened or offended. If you're easily threatened or offended, threats cause us to go into defense mode. And if we are at a place where we get defensive and we allow ourselves to become defensive, it means that we're easily threatened. And how many know Herod was easily threatened? Herod was bothered by a king. Let me, let me go back and remind you and read to you what Herod was threatened by, okay? Herod's the king. You got that? Here's what it says. Herod, Herod finds out, says a baby is to, to be born, and he's the king of the Jews. And Herod says, where's this king born? And so he goes to the priest and asks the priest, where is this king to be born? Here's what they said. They read this to him. They says, it says this in Isaiah. And you, O Bethlehem, there's the area, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler, or actually that word ruler means governor. Here's why that's significant. For a governor will come from you. Notice what a governor is, especially in this time frame. A governor is not put in place without someone over the governor putting the governor in place. How many are following me? The governor is under authority. Listen, the King Herod is threatened by the coming of a governor. How many know that in position, king is higher than a governor? I don't know if you're following me here. That this is what's being announced. A governor or a ruler, that word meaning governor. A governor is going to come from you. And the king is threatened that a governor is coming. And if you put those titles together, a king is over a governor. But he's threatened by a governor. But listen what else. He says, for a governor will come from you who will be, notice this, 
who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. I don't know if you're catching the contrast here, but Herod is threatened and bothered, number one, by a baby. Number two, by a governor who is not the same as a king and by a shepherd. When would you ever see a shepherd and a king in the same place? How many are catching what I'm saying here today is that Herod was threatened by something that had no comparison to what his position was. But why was he threatened? Because this, if you're not under the proper authority, then you'll always be threatened. You'll always hold on to what you think you can lose if you don't know the authority you're under and you're holding on to what you can never be taken away from you. If you're holding on to what you fear you could lose, it means that we've received something that doesn't really belong to us. And this is the truth about Herod. Herod did not belong to be king. Here's why. He was Hellenistic. Backtrack in history, all that that means is that he was not born, he was born in Jewish culture, but he was not born a Jew. He basically became a Jew because someone married a Jew, and so the Hellenistic culture became the secular combined with the Jewish culture. They became a mixture of the two. He was not pure-blooded Jew, which means he definitely was not from the line of David. How many know that that matters because the kingdom belongs to the line of David, the tribe of Judah, and And how many know Herod would have known his history and Herod knew that he was king in a place that he did not belong king. And when you put yourself in a place that you do not belong, you'll always hold on to what you're afraid of losing. That didn't make sense to anybody, did it? And I can't go back and say it all over again. (laughs) Anybody get that? That makes sense? Herod was at a place he didn't belong. But here's the thing. Jesus is coming as a governor. What is that? He's under the authority. How many know Jesus, it says, and his name will be called? Wonderful counselor. Notice one of them. Prince of peace. If he's the prince, how many know that there's a king ahead of him? Jesus says... I'm only here because of my father's authority. Jesus knew his position. And I want you to know, you might only be a shepherd, but if you're a shepherd in your rightful place, he'll rise you above, raise you above the king in the place that's around you. You might only be a shepherd, but if you're in the right place, if you are the right place, if you're under God's authority, if you put yourself under God, he can cause you to rise above a positioned king on this earth. It doesn't matter if you're just a shepherd because here's the thing. The king Herod was threatened because the king Herod was in a place that was not rightfully his and he was threatened by one who was coming as a governor under a king and one who was a shepherd, which by the way, I want you to hear that. He was threatened by a shepherd. The issue is not title. The issue is this, proper authority. Are you under the proper authority in your life? You will not have peace unless God is in, unless you're under the authority of God in your life. If you try to have peace on your own, in your own way, try to produce peace without putting God over your life, you will not find peace because you might be a king, self-proclaimed king. I've got all the money. I've got all the wealth. I've got all the stuff. You can be a self-proclaimed king and still hold Hold on and fear losing something because you're afraid of losing what doesn't really belong to you. But when you receive from God, you'll hold on to what you can never lose. I sure hope that makes sense to somebody because that can set your mind at ease. When you know you don't have to position yourself, 
You just become under God. And if he calls you to be a shepherd, you'd be a shepherd under God and you'll threaten kings because of the power of God that's at work inside of our lives. I sure hope somebody's getting this this morning. I sure hope this is making sense to somebody because when you put in context where this comes from and knowing who you are, you're able to unwrap and receive the peace that comes from God. This is number two, if you're easily threatened or offended, it might be that self gets in the way, that, we're, that, that we have the potential of being a killjoy because we're easily threatened by things that are around us. Instead of being afraid of what you might lose, hold on to what God gives you Because that is a gift, as we said already or heard already, a gift that can never be taken away. Because the world can't give that gift. The world can take away the gifts they give you. Position, power, money, wealth. And if your peace is attached to those things, it's vulnerable. But if your peace is attached to being under the authority of God, you can never lose it. I know you heard me say it. Now I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to really give you the ears you need to let that get into your heart. Because if you just hear my words, it won't change your life. But if the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you, you're going to know just what was spoken can set your whole life in a whole new direction, in a life of change. Number one, an indicator is this, that we are at a place that is resenting what others rejoice if we resent what others rejoice if you're easily threatened let me give you number three number three is this if we act in secret notice what Herod does as soon as he gets the word that the king is going to be born in Bethlehem the Bible says then he calls for a secret meeting with the wise men I don't have to tell you whatever's done in secret is probably not a good thing whatever you do in secret Self might get in the way of experiencing the joy and peace if we allow secret places in our lives. I just want to say in a practical sense, be careful. Be careful of the secret things that are hiding. You have the device right in your hand that somebody might not be able to easily know the sites that you go to and the things that you're experiencing, the stuff that you see. Don't give room for secret places because that's the place. How many know nothing good grows in the dark? Herod had a self issue and so wrapped up in himself that he began to play secret places. Back, backdoor deals and backroom deals. Telling this and working the system and trying to hide. I want to say to you today in a practical sense, don't let there be any secret places in your life. Don't let there be a place. The only, the only secret place that's worth having is one that you experience the presence of God all by yourself. Everything else, the enemy wants to ruin you in the secret places. Whatever you're hiding, whatever you're trying to, to, to conceal. And I know I, whatever these things are that we can, that we can have, that we've got to be careful because here's Herod. He immediately goes to a place of trying to, to, to hide and put in secret. The Bible says this, that to be careful. Why? Because your sins will surely find you out. That our sins, that place that will come about, don't allow the secret places. Be under the authority of God. 
Number, number three, if you act in secret. Let me give you the last one. The worship team is going to get ready to come in just a bit. Here's the last one. If you're quick to tear others down. Now, what, I'm, what, I'm, what we're doing here is we're looking at indicators that were in Herod's life. And I want to hurry up and get done talking about Herod. Because Herod is not a good Christmas character. But I think we need to look at this today to experience the peace that God has for us to really unwrap some stuff. If we're, and, and here's what it is. To get unwrapped from ourself. Because our self gets in the way of keeping us from experiencing God's peace. And some of those things are, as we've said, if, if we're not able to rejoice with what people rejoice with, if, if we're easily threatened or offended, if we act in secret, and if we're quick to tear others down, isn't it something that here's Herod, and when he finds out that they never, the, the wise men didn't come back the way he said, the Bible says that he goes and sends soldiers to kill every boy that was two years, age, two years of age and younger. The enemy for centuries has always been trying to abort a generation to get rid of the hope and purpose that God wants to bring to this earth. And when I say earth, I don't mean planet, I mean to people. But the enemy is always, how many know Moses? Herod knew the history. Herod knew Jewish history. And Herod would have known that Moses, as a boy, was put in a basket and sent down the Nile River to be protected. Why? Because Pharaoh didn't want the, the, the Jewish people or the Israelites multiplying. And so he issued for all of the boys to be killed. All of the, the, baby, the, the, the babies to be killed. And here's Noah or Moses. Noah's in a different basket, a lot bigger. It's a bigger basket. He was a big baby. Moses, of course, in this basket. And as he sent down the river, here it is. There, he was saved because there, there was another king trying to kill. And here's Herod now becoming that. I'm sure Herod despised as a Jew, even as a Hellenistic Jew, he would have despised what Pharaoh did to the Jewish people. But be careful that if you don't keep things in check, you might become even that which you hate. If you don't keep things in check, you might become even that which you don't like. Now, I realize Herod's way off the map. I don't think there's any of us here in the Herod category. But I'm only saying, identify the steps to say, God, help me not to get so wrapped up in myself that I'm not able to experience the peace that comes from you. Does that make sense? That I, the peace that comes from God. Sometimes self is just getting in the way and self is hindering. That when we tear others down and here literally, Herod kills these babies. But there's some of us here today that we're in the wake. We're in the wake of people who have torn us down. Some of us here today are in the wake of people who have violated, people who have used, people who have put down. And if we're not careful, 
history repeats itself. Hurt people hurt other people. And when we become people so identified by our hurt, and here's what hurts us, when we feel like we're not getting what we deserve. And when we feel like we're not getting what we deserve, self gets in the way, and we try to produce a peace that cannot be produced, but can only be received. I know you might be here today and you say, well, Jason, I'm glad you're preaching that sermon for someone who's way off the chart and they need to hear that. Good Lord, I don't know who that is. But but could I say, are you willing to maybe even address some of the self that might be inside of you? Because what did Jesus say? Take up your cross every Christmas, every Easter, every special holiday. No, he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. What's the cross? Cross is a place where we die to ourself. Paul said these words, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He meant that literally, being in the presence of God. But I want to say to you as well, some of the things that's keeping us from growing in peace is that we need to allow some self to get out of the way. Some self needs to be dealt with. And here's what we said today. Here's what we said this morning. So the worship team comes and, and, and helps us close. Here's what we said. And, and don't raise your hand, but maybe you can identify this because I know I can. It's not fair. I get to be up here the one and tell on myself. But I will. Because I've had moments where I've heard of other people rejoicing of what's happening around them. And i got to be honest with you. I've had where I've heard pastors say, This happened in their church, and all of this great things happened in their church. I'm talking about me, a pastor, and another pastor. And I've had those thoughts that have come, God, why isn't that happening to me? Oh, am I being a little too real? I hope some of you aren't like, well, no, I I don't respect you anymore. My goodness. I've had those moments where it comes to mind and says, God, no, I, I need to rejoice. Of course I want to see good things happen, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with desiring those things of God, but God, help me keep myself in check, because if I don't keep self in check, I'll become even that which I don't like. So I've got to put myself in check. And so there have been those moments where I said, great things are happening there, and I'm going to intentionally say, I rejoice with you. There have been moments that I felt threatened, like something could be taken away from me. But then I have to realize, wait, what's really mine? Because if it's given by God, then no man can take away what God has given me. But if I got it from from some other way, then let go of it. I don't need it. Because the only things I really need are the things that God gives. Because the things that come from God, no man can take it from us. Yeah? I've had those moments where I feel threatened. had those moments where tempted to keep things in secret (laughs) that's not a big problem for me a lot of you that are from a part of our church you know that because I'm kind of (laughs) transparent it's kind of hard for me my wife even says me you're not you're not good at lying I know you like a book and I say you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) she's like I know exactly what you're thinking (laughs) some days it might not be the best but you're welcome you know I'm I can be an open book but where are those places we can be tempted to hide because that can be self trying to work things then also, where is it that, that, that as well, when we should be building someone up, we're tearing down? 
did you miss a moment that you could have encouraged somebody and instead your words you see Herod sent the soldiers to take swords and they literally put swords through the stomachs of two year old babies I know that's do you know your tongue is like a sword your tongue can speak life speak death are you building up now here's what I'm going to say to us raise your hand today if you've got some self to deal with listen if you raise your hand you're in the right place because the perfect church they're down the road in fact it's so far down the road you'll never get there the perfect people but the ones who are allowing the Holy Spirit to work and deal and process and develop they're right here turning over the dirt saying God I need your grace need your help here's what I want to say to you here's what we do we often look at the things we talked about behaviors stuff that we need to do different right I've got to be careful that I'm not easily threatened. I've got to be careful that I don't do things in the dark, secret places. What are you keeping in secret? There ought to be someone in your life that knows everything about your life. I was on my phone the other day, and, and I, I added a new feature to my phone. And I don't password my phone. I, I, I just don't. I guess it's one of those things of, I don't have anything to hide. But all of a sudden, I put a new feature on my phone, and it made me password my phone. Not a bad thing. But as soon as I put the password on, you know what I did? I said, hey, babe. I want you to know my password is. You know why? Because secret place isn't a good thing for the enemy to come in and be able to, behind doors, what you don't know. And we can talk about the habits and things that need to change. And some of us need to catch those things because it's going to affect our lives. But here's what I want you to hear most of all. Just like Herod, don't be in secret. Don't tear down, build up. We can look at all the stuff that we have to do, and it has to do with behavior. But here's the problem. Your remedy isn't just better behavior. Because better behavior won't fix your heart. How many know you can't behave a heart into good condition? Your heart will not become whole because you had better behavior. Your heart will only become whole when you meet a Savior. Your need is not remedied by better behavior. Your need is only remedied by a Savior. That's why Jesus Christ came. Listen, I'm not saying don't do the right things, but I'm saying this. You can do and do and do all the right things, but if you don't know the Savior, your good behavior won't fix a heart that's broken. Your good behavior won't won't heal a heart that needs peace. You can do everything you need and do everything to get yourself out of the way. But the only thing that will really heal you of yourself is the Savior who came to save me from myself. He came to save me from myself. I was born with sin and left to myself. I'll just destroy But a Savior came. He was sent by God. And He showed up in my life. And you know what He did? He gave me a gift that I couldn't work for. Hey, I got you something. Frank, this is for you. 
No offense, but there's nothing in it. But it's a thought that counts, right? I'm going to box up a whole bunch of empty boxes and give them away this year. It's a thought that counts. It's a thought that counts. If I were to give you a gift today, and, and here's the love that Christ has, and, and I'd say to you, hey, I got a gift for you. And your first response could be this. Oh, no, that's okay. I didn't get you anything. I don't want your gift because I didn't get you a gift. I can't take from you because I haven't earned it. You could say, you know, I I can't take that from you. You might even say this. "Uh, I already got one. I don't need that one. How many know that Jesus came to give us a gift? And the Bible says in Ezekiel that he says, I'll take your heart of stone your stubborn heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. What's he saying? I'll give you a new heart. Listen, if you need a new heart because your heart's dying, you can't exercise your heart back to good health. If your heart is damaged, only a miracle can heal your damaged heart. That person you came to church with, I'm glad you came to church with them. <laughs> but they're damaged goods. Some of you, you ought to tell me about it. I don't know. <laughs> We're broken people. We're messed up people. Don't nod at me and make me feel worse. Don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're We're broken. You can't good behavior your heart back to order. And here's what we tend to do, because I've been there too. If I could just work hard enough, if I could just make this happen, if I could just do it, if I could just do it. And there's certain things that I just have to say to God. God, I can't good behavior my way back to this. I need your spirit to give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. Here's the good news. He's got one for you. You don't have to be on a waiting list. You don't have to wait till it's your turn. You don't have to wait till, well, when someone else can, I'm still waiting for mine. And when it, no, he's got one for you. He says today is the day. I've got what you need. You need a new heart? He says, great, I want to give you one. Ah, uh, that's okay. I'll just work this one I've got. I'll just keep doing. And here's what we can do. I'll just keep things in the secret. I just keep trying to work it out myself. Oh, but it's so much easier to say, God, thank you. Take my old heart and give me a new heart. Herod. Notice Herod isn't found in the nativity set hanging at my house. Jordan and I put the nativity set up on the, on the window sill and it's there and Herod's not there. You know Why? obvious reasons but the real story the the full story of Herod is that he dies within a few years after Jesus being born probably less than three to five years Herod would have died do you know what he died from now some of you are like I'm going to say this word and if I say it right I'm going to impress myself But some of you are going to be like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. So just don't show off. Okay, I'm going to look at my notes. (laughs) 
You want to hear it? You want to hear the word? You know this word, don't you? Yeah, killjoy. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. Here it is. Arteriosclerosis. Some of you are like, what's the big deal about that? I, don't ask me. How many have ever heard of that word before? Arteriosclerosis. Okay, rub it in. All right, smarties. I won't tell you what high school I went to because I didn't learn that word. But here's what I found out. Arteriosclerosis, this is what Herod died of. And some of you that knew the word, you might already know this. He basically died of a hardened heart. (laughs) What? Go figure. He dies of a hardened heart. His arteries become hardened. It affects the heart. And he dies from a hardened heart. Ezekiel says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'll take the old heart and I'll put a heart of flesh inside you. How many are saying, God, here I am today. I'm taking one of those. How many are with me? You know, I'm standing at God. I want that one. I'm going to take the new heart because this hardened heart isn't going to get me anywhere. I'm trying to produce and work the soil, but the soil's getting hard. It's not working. It's not happening. So instead of me trying to produce peace, I'm just going to receive peace. This is mine. Get your own. But here's the good news. There's enough to go around. So this Christmas, why don't you unwrap a new heart? This Christmas, don't just blind you with that. Yeah. And I got glitter all over me now. Unwrap a new heart. Receive the love that comes from God. You say, what do I do? This is the crazy thing. Just believe. Wait a minute. Don't I have to like do something, you know, like say something so many times or do? No. I just got to surrender and say, God, my behavior is not enough to change this. I need you to be my savior. So if you need to change your heart, quit trying to change your heart. Just let him give you a new one. Let him give you a new one. Savior, what did he come to do? He came to save me from myself. So Christmas and unwrapping the peace, quit trying to find what you're looking for when everything you need is already given by the Savior. (laughs) Why do I make it harder than it needs to be? Why, Why do I make it harder than it needs to be to just say, God, I surrender.